Good evening, everyone. Good evening and blessings, and welcome to another installment of the Gist of Freedom Estate. This show is produced by acclaimed historian, educator, and author Leslie Gist and serves as our weekly live online discussion to celebrate the African-American experience by honoring all the people, past and present, black and white, who, with faith and focus, are preserving our rich history through literature, the arts, the skilled trades, and the humanities. We thank you for joining us tonight, and we'd love you to be a part of tonight's discussion by calling in with your comments or questions to 347-324-5552. Good evening, everyone. My name is Preston Washington. I'm your host this evening for the Gift of Freedom. My guest today, this evening, is Autumn Ashante. Are you there, Autumn? We're here. We're here. I'm her father right now. She's coming to the phone. Okay, great. How are you tonight, sir? I'm fine, brother. How are you? I'm fair to Midland, as they used to say. Well, I'm glad to hear that. Glad to hear that. Ready and fired up. So let's get it going. Okay. We're ready. Can you tell us a little bit about uh, Autumn Bear? Can you you repeat that uh, one more time, brother? Tell us a little bit about your daughter while we're waiting for her. Well, um, Autumn Ashanti, she's been on the, um, the scene since about three and a half years old. Um, she was like the youngest poet in the history of the New Yorkans Poets Cafe. That's a big spoken word venue here in New York City to speak there. She was the youngest person in the history of New York State or in the state of New York to receive a proclamation on the floor of City Hall at five years old. She's been an activist, politically activist, been involved with homeless, been involved with the AIDS movement, all of the conscious causes. It's been her life because it's been my life. So she's been doing things from the word go. Um, She graduated high school at 11 years old. Uh, She entered college at 13 years old. And, you know, there's a little thing going on where she was accepted by the University of Connecticut. And then when they did, like, a background check on us and so on, you know, so forth, showing our activist background, they um, had a good excuse. They used the excuse that they had to rescind their offer because um, she didn't have how you say, enough college preparatory because she was homeschooled and she's never been to school, and the only time she's ever been to school is when she started college. I see. And uh, why homeschooling? Why did you choose homeschooling over public schooling? You um, Do you really have to ask that, or do you really want me to answer that question, brother? Well, some of our listeners might want to know. Well, um, I didn't... I'm not into compulsory education, and I don't believe that the educational system, you know, from the elementary stages from kindergarten up to 12th grade, has done our children largely 98% of our babies any good. And with the teachings and the background that I have on education and the research that I've done on education, I didn't feel it would be in her best interest. And, I, you know, I thought it would be best to keep her home. You know, she's um, never had vaccines so she's never really had a cold. She has never had mumps, measles, chicken pox, any other things that our children bring home from being in that environment. In addition to that, you know, I'm largely, you know, I'm not painting with a very broad brush. I'm not painting with a broad brush. But I found that a lot of the teachers, black, Spanish, they, they work for the institution, really not for the interest of our babies. And with such a large classroom, the intention to the children and to academics, hmm, it's slighted. You know, I, I have a chart. I don't have it in front of me about actually how much time they spent on a subject, and it's less than 27 minutes per class, per subject, per day. And and at home, being that I'm a teacher, I thought it would just be best, and she can get the best out of what it was we're, tr- we're trying to instill in her by being at home, and I'm a single dad, and I've raised her all her life by myself. I see. Were you homeschooled? 
Um, actually, I'm a victim of the system, which made me, which pretty much galvanized my attitude towards the American educational system and the way I was treated, you know, coming up earlier in my life because from kindergarten, I believe, to the third grade, I was the only black child in my class, and there was a lot of things that went along with that. And, you know, the attention that was given to me as a student that I felt going in here that I should have received, I didn't receive. And I guess I was uh, conditioned by the treatment, and I didn't want my daughter to uh, experience that. So I thought it would just be best to use the community at large because in our African, Latin, you know, in the community as a whole, black, white, Spanish, and different, we have so many things in the community. We we can just reach out and get, like, a math teacher who was better in, you know, I can do algebra too, but I couldn't go past that. All I had to do was reach out into the community and put out a request. Math teacher comes, you get it to my house, I'll take it to wherever you need to go. So, I really didn't have to worry because our community took care of all of my needs in so far as the areas of education that I was lacking in. What was the worst experience you had in public school that caused you to say never, never again? <laughs> wow, where where do I begin? Um, I'll tell you one. I'll tell you one. I was in a sec when I was I was able to read like. At three years old, I can read, you know, from cover to cover at three years old. And my mom and my dad emphasized that. So I was in the second grade, and the teacher, again, I was the only black student there, um, was handing out books to the class. You know, she was giving, I was like, oh, can I have that? Can I have that? She just waited, and I was the last student that received the book. And she gave me the book called Burr Rabbit and the Little Black Tar Baby and told me to take this home and show it to your mother. Whoa. Yeah. So that was just one of the things amongst many that uh, happened to me in my education experience. I can remember in being in class in the second grade and the third grade, Doing math, the teacher, and then when I got into third grade, I think about mid-year, I think another Spanish girl came to our class, and the teacher would separate the class and take all of the white students. This is the truth. This is not real. I'm telling you the truth. Take all of the white students and take them off and do multiplication, division, adding and subtracting with them and would leave me and the Spanish girl at our desk, wouldn't come talk to us, wouldn't show us anything, wouldn't even call us up to the blackboard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Segregation and, and, within the school. Excuse me? Segregation within the school, within oh, the hall. Oh, brother. It, 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 and, and, you know, it's deeper than that. You know, it, it was deeper than that. I, you know, I remember one time uh, uh, the class was lining up for lunch, okay? And these are the things that made me say, I'm not putting my daughter through this. We were lining up for lunch. And the teacher, her name was Miss Berger, big, tall, six foot three white woman. Huh? And she told the class to be quiet. So I told, turned around to tell the young man behind me that she said, be quiet. And when I turned my head back around, she slapped me across my face. And her whole hand was across my face. Huh? And the problem yeah. I had with that was this. The problem I had was this. I called her out of her name and ran, and I ran home. And I showed, I came home and showed my mom. And her whole handprint was on my face. And I told my mom what the teacher did to me, and I didn't want to go back. That white woman called my home, and my mother sent me back less than 10 minutes later. I'll never forget that, brother. I'll never forget that. And, and from that day, that was it. And I was like, when I become a parent, there are some things about this system I'm going to take into my own hands. And I did it. Yeah. You mentioned that you are a teacher. And so how did that experience influence you to become a teacher? And are you a public school teacher? No, I'm not a public school teacher. I'm, 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 I'm a 
a community scholar, so to speak, and um, the things that I teach and what we do with our children in the community is nothing they learn in public school, brother. Nothing. We don't. We don't. Other than the math, I guess, in the reading. That's about it. And everything else, we just go way out and left field with it. And I'm talking about we don't talk about anything they talk about in the public classroom. You know, CNN did a story on me and wanted me to show them my uh, curriculum and my uh, my books that I was doing with my daughter, and I would not show them. I just showed them stuff that I had on the shelf. I'm not showing you anything. Okay. Yeah. Now, and you mentioned that experience, your mother's response. How's right. your relationship with her now? My, my relationship with my mom is beautiful. That, you know, that didn't, you know, you know, hinder our relationship, but what it did was it let me know that my mom was even a slave or captive of the school system, if you know what I mean. Hello. Okay, I got you. You, you understand what I'm saying? Whereas, you know, where it would have been me, we would have, you know, popo, it would have been negative, it would have been ugly, it would have been lights, sirens, helicopters. White woman would have been held up in some damn bathroom somewhere if she would have put her hand on my daughter like that. You understand what I mean? When it's time to go to war for our children, we go to war for our children. And and, and and I remember my mom asked me, well, what did you want me to do, go up to the school and whip the white woman's ass? And I looked her dead in the face and said, yeah. <laughs> yes, okay. that's what you were supposed to do. Very powerful testimony there. Hey, brother, it's my truth. It's uh, my truth, mother, brother. Was your mother from the South? Yes, I. Montgomery, okay. actually. And you, and you know how that goes. Okay. Montgomery, Alabama. Yes, sir. All right. You mentioned that you were teaching in a community school. Did I get that right? Well, I, I started my own community-based schooling and homeschooling program for my my inner circle. And people oh. who thought and think like I think I was home, and so they would bring their children to me. And we would, as parents, develop the curriculum and then the African-centered studies and the poetry and the field trips and the various things. We just went on our own with it. So if other parents out there are listening, how did you fund that? How was that funded? That was, just, um, that was done because I'm home. You know, you know, I'm a retired correction officer, so, you know, money was not an issue. And then we did in a bartering system. It was not always capital. It was bartering. It's what each parent can offer. Some parents would bring the food and do the lunch. Some, you know, whatever capacity they could they could contribute. It was done more on a love and a bartering kind of a system juxtaposed to a fiat system, which worked out perfectly. Because then you're not, you got some of the sisters who were working, but they offered that, you know, that maternal, that, matriarch kind of energy, so they brought that to the table, whereas I was a patriarch school teacher, male energy. And it was just beautiful, brother, and it worked out well. Okay. Um, tell us a bit, uh, a bit more about the curriculum. Can you share that with us on this show? Because well, we really want to promote well, this type of system. Well, well, basically, we stayed with the reading, writing, and arithmetic. We stayed with the math. We stayed with the language arts and the reading, yes. You know, they needed this. But then with the African-centered studies and the whole African-centered curriculum, then we we took it on our own. You know, the maps of Africa, tribes of Africa, the people of Africa, the, you know, how Africa was down in South America. And we we improvised, and, and it worked out well, you know. And then, and again, you know, Life is the classroom, so what everything wasn't always homeschooling. It was sometimes no schooling where the kids can be creative, and they didn't have to stick to a curriculum that day. As long as they did something creative, it was no sleeping, never television, ever, ever. You know, and, and it was allowing the children to be free and to use their own creativity juxtaposed to sitting them down in a row and preparing them to be slaves and machines and robots you know, I want wanted them to tap into their own creativity and their own genius. And they didn't. Okay. And, and the way we structured it, we didn't have put them on a clock. You got forty five minutes to learn this. You got forty five minutes to learn that. No, that's not how it works. Some days we would and, spend a week on one subject. Okay. 
And there was never, ever any television. No. um, We haven't had cable television in our home in, what, close to four years? Going on five years. We have a television, but it's more conscious videos, DVDs. You know, we buy from, we live in New York, so we're down on 125th Street. We get all of the documentaries, all of the black side. I mean, you name it, that caters to us as a community. That is what we would put in front of the eyes of the babies. That was a part of actually some of the videos and movies, the conscious movies, were a part of the homeschool curriculum. And uh, what about computers and other technology? Oh, we got the computers. They all had access to computers. We all got laptops here, so the children were definitely in touch with the technology. We had to have that. No Xbox, no PlayStation, no electronic crack, so to speak. That wasn't permitted. You do that when you go home. But when you're in this environment, this is strictly learning. wasn't, you know, like a totalitarian type of thing. It was beautiful. It flowed well. Again, we had all of the parents' input. And they all came to the table with something because we were all of like minds, of like you know, spirit. Sounds, so you, go ahead, sir. Sounds like you have the uh, type of content that we need here on the Gist of Freedom, and uh, we certainly want to invite you to come on the show uh, one evening uh, to share your experience and your expect, uh, expertise. Mm. Uh, I'm sure there's a number of families out there that really, really need to hear this. Um, I w- it would be my honor and pleasure because this is not, um, you know, I'm not like a Levite to keep the information to myself. And, again, this was as we go. It was not anything that we planned. We we developed this thing on our own. We just wanted to do everything that was contrary to what we was we, we were taught in the European school system. We wanted to go counter that. You know, we wanted to, we wanted, we were into yoga, we were into breathing, we are into meditation, you know, healthy diet, clean eating, you know, children are going to be children, but we weren't advocating that violence with one another. It was a very powerful, powerful experience, and, and, and with the results of my daughter, um, again, she was qualified um, to get her high school diploma at 11 years old. And remember, okay. the American educational system, excuse the way I'm going to say it, it sucks, period, because... From kindergarten, say from first grade to maybe third or fourth grade, the math requirements are the same. So you You got children in the fourth grade doing two-digit multiplication or two-digit adding and then subtracting. No way. So if that be the truth, I always started my daughter on sixth-grade level math at five years old. So she can do long division without even doing the division down the page. She can just do it straight across the top of the division, come up with the remainder, and it's done. When she started, when she started in college, she was doing algebra problems. Let me share this story with the community real quick. The first semester she started at this college, these people didn't believe she had what it take or what it took to be in college at thirteen. Okay, we, we've been beat down from the word go. But the point I wanted to make, my daughter was sitting with adults at 13 doing algebra problems without even doing the work and can come up with the answer. The teacher was like, well, how did you do this? She was like, I, I don't, this is just the answer. <laughs> and they failed her. They failed her, brother. Even though she passed all her work, they failed her and made her take math again because she never showed the work. And now she's graduating that same college with math honors in math and science. Wow. Tell us about the poem that uh, Autumn created when she was uh, seven years old that created quite a ruckus in the community, or at least in the white community. Well, the poem was um, white nationalism. And white nationalism is a line, remember, what Malcolm used to use, white nationalism. Everything the Europeans did to us here in America and all around the world was to create a nation for themselves, white nationalism. And then it was developed because we watched a documentary called um, The Disasters, that I forget the title, The Disasters of Darwinism or something like that. It's been a minute now. But, huh? Yeah, it was a documentary on Charles Darwin and all of the evil that came with his philosophy. 
and the poem just flowed, and we were just sitting on the floor, and I and I was like, okay, we watch documentaries, two two documentaries a night, with, you know, popcorn, and we have our juice, and I go in your room and write something. And she went down and came up with these ideas. Now the order was out of sync, so it was, the writing was hers. But then I was like, it doesn't flow. I says, I see your ideas, but we gotta adjust your poems so the ideas flow. And 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 she went. She was invited for Black History Month to go up to Peekskill High School by a black um, um, study group director. It was his group. He invited her. He knew what she was going to say. And when you sit up here and you tell the white folk about it, they get upset. And actually, it wasn't the poem, White Nationalism, that really got them. It was the fact that she did the Black Child's Pledge, which was from the, new, from the Black Panther Party. And the day before we got there, the, the Spanish and black children were fighting with one another, and they almost canceled the event. So she asked the black and Latinos to stand up to make a pledge to love one another. And she said, you know, this ain't for you white people. It's for us. Okay. And then that's when the firestorm just took off. And, her, and our lives have never been the same since. Praise God. And what, uh, what kind of negative fallout was there? It changed oh, her life. Oh, what wasn't the neck? They banned her from speaking at all schools in New York State. Any time she was invited, all of her work had to be censored, and it had to be approved prior to her coming. Then you talking about the sick white folk of America threatening our lives, threatening to kill my child, posting pictures on Facebook. You could probably still pull them up, not on Facebook, on, on the Internet. If you if you yeah. search hard up, you probably still will find them pictures with a noose around my babe's neck, a bullet hole in her head, and duct tape over our mouth. Her mouth, we gonna kill this little nigga. Yo, you have no idea what we went through and what we still going through. You know, she doesn't really still live a normal life. You know, it's still very protective, but it is what it is, and that's the price of revolution. That's the the price of telling the truth. And Amiri Baraka told her, that's the price you pay for being a good poet. Oh, yeah. Is Autumn on the line? She's here. Okay. Good evening. Hi, Autumn. Uh, How are you? I'm fine tonight. And yourself? I'm all right. Okay. My name is uh, Preston Washington. I'm the host here on The Gifts of Freedom. Mm-hmm. Uh, sounds like uh, what your father was telling me, your story is very similar to Sister Soldier. You know who that is? Yes, I do, of course. Okay. Quite a remarkable young lady you are. Um, Okay. Now, I understand you just graduated from college? I'm about to in August. About to in August. Okay. Mm -hmm. What was your field of study? Uh, Exercise science. Okay. Mm -hmm. And do you intend to go on for graduate uh, work? I do. I would like to enter around pre-medicine. I'd ultimately like to be a doctor. I'm not sure what kind, but I'd like to work in the medical field. In the medical field? Yes. Okay. Uh, do you have a school picked out? Um, yes, we are looking at Iona. I got accepted to Iona College in Nourishell. What's motivating you to go into medicine and to be a doctor? Um, I, I have, for some reason, I think the human body fascinates me. I... Um, the things that it does, the things that we're capable of doing as beings, I think it's really interesting. And the study and to be able to, know, to how to be able to know how to do that is amazing, and it's something that I want to do. Why not political science? Uh, you know, I'm just asking. <laughs> political science—that's who I am, and you know, I can't run away from that. But um, as so far as something where I want to make a living for myself, make a life for myself, I think medicine is where I choose to go. Oh, okay. Well, you could be a United States senator. Uh, too much politics. <laughs> not in politics, huh? No, nah, that's not my thing. Are you active in the community right now? Oh, of course, always. Okay, and what in the community prompted your decision uh, to go into medicine? Anything in the community that happened that prompted you to do that? Um, I don't think it was really that. I think it was more of um, a me thing. 
you know, when uh, you sit down and you ask yourself, you know, you know, everybody got was asked that question when they were little, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I was, I just always wanted to help people. I wanted to make people feel better. I was always fascinated by medicine. I was always fascinated when I found out that women give birth and how the whole process of growing a fetus and giving birth, I was fascinated with that. So I knew that I wanted to be able to help people, and I knew that medicine was the best way for me to do that. Okay. And, uh, yeah, your dad told us that you were very healthy uh, due to your homeschooling. Uh, what kind of diet do you uh, mostly eat these days? Uh, we are vegetarians. Uh, we don't do any kind of meat, no fish, no shrimp, no seafood whatsoever, no chicken, no turkey, nothing. We're not vegan. I mean, uh, me personally, I, I don't think I can go that far. But, um, yeah, we, we do strictly greens and vegetables, you know. Uh, we try trying to lean towards certain alternatives for, like, cheese and butter and all that good stuff. But we try and keep a clean diet. Okay. Now, what's the difference, uh, explain to our audience, the difference between being a vegan and vegetarian? I'm no expert, but uh, vegan is straight raw food. Vegans don't do any kind of um, animal-based foods. Like, vegetarians will do cheese. Vegans don't. They don't do any kind of milk. Basically, anything that um, is animal-based, vegans don't eat. I see. The vegan is strictly uh, vegetables, and vegetarians might go into some meat and maybe animal products such as cheese and milk. Yeah. Okay. Now, um, let's talk about this fund, This uh, the fund that you're attempting to establish. Tell us about that. Um, through the Iona College, I was accepted, and through all the scholarships and all the um, student loans, we're still uh, about 14 uh, fourteen hundred dollars and some change. Fourteen thousand. I'm sorry. Fourteen thousand and some hundred dollars short. So we still need to raise up that money uh, within a short amount of time, two months. So and that's really what this one is for. How much time do you have left? Uh, classes start August in um, late August, August 27th. So we're trying to do something now and the first maybe second week of August. Okay. And if our listeners wanted to make a donation, where would they do that? How would they get their contact information for that? Um, I'm on Facebook, Autumn Ashanti. My name Autumn, A-U-T-U-M, no N, Ashanti. And I have a GoFundMe account, and you can make your donations there. Now, they can make the donation on Facebook? Yes. Okay. It's on, um, it's, the link is on Facebook, but it goes out to Twitter and all the other social networks. Okay, got it. Now, give me the contact again and spell both names for me. Autumn, A-U-T-U-M, no N, Ashanti, A-S-H-A-N-T-E. And you can um, actually go to just go to uh, GoFundMe, the page, and you can put my name in there. Go fund me. Go fund me, all in one word. Okay. And that is a web uh, page. Yes, gofundme.com. Okay. Um, what doctor do you admire the most in black history? Uh, one more thing about the GoFundMe. Um, yeah. There's also a mailing address if you'd like to mail any money orders, uh, 80 Lawn Avenue. Uh, Say that again. Okay. Okay. Uh, that's Stanford, Connecticut. Uh, the area code is zero six nine zero two, and the unit is uh, unit one. Unit one. Yes. Okay. Now, for those people who might be slow riders out there, give us that address one more time. Excuse me. Give us that address one more time. Some of our listeners may be slow riders. Okay. 80 Lawn Avenue, Unit 1, uh, Stamford, Connecticut, S-T-A-M-F-O-R-D, Connecticut, 
area code, uh, I mean, uh, zip code 06902. Okay, 06902. Yes. On an earlier show, we were talking about Dr. Charles Drew, uh, who was a pioneer in uh, blood plasma and blood uh, banks, et cetera. Do you have any doctors that you admire in black history? Yeah. Actually, yes. Um, I don't know if anyone's familiar with Percy Julian, the uh, great scientist and doctor who did the he's geneticist. Actually, when I took a biology class uh, last semester, we actually studied some of his work and to come to find out that you know, the uh, Mendelian genetics, all of his work was based on Percy Julian, come to find out. So he is a great doctor slash geneticist of mine, and I favor him, and I'm actually trying to be like him. <laughs> okay, so now you have a role model out there in the medical field, and that oh, was cool. Dr. Perry Julian? Percy Julian. Percy Julian, and he was a geneticist, or is a geneticist. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now, this, I understand you put out a poem back there at age seven. Are you still writing poetry? Of course, of course. (laughs) That's what I do, of course, indeed. Great. Tell us a little bit about the... uh, uh, maybe you could recite some of your recent poetry. You got uh, one that you could recite for us right quick? Of course. Of course. Did you, you said you want, did you say you wanted um, background on the poem that I did before? Or? Okay. It, well, yeah, I mean, maybe one of your most favorite ones. And could you get a little closer to the phone uh, when you um, recite yeah. it? Of course. Uh, most recent. Let's see. Give me a second here. Okay. I do still write, and despite the whole, the school has kind of offset my poetry flow but I still do write and don't think I'm I don't think I gotten rusty so so far as no one's told me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, this one is called um I had a dream. I had a dream that one day little black boys and little black girls would walk through doors together, sit down at Starbucks and have cappuccinos and Facebook together. I'm living a nightmare where little black boys and little black girls walk to DSS together, food stamps and Medicaid together. I had a dream where I wouldn't be standing hoodwinked for giving back my gun, just another trip to usurp the Constitution. I had a dream where we would have a black president who we thought would be for black, but he turned his back on all things black. We had a dream today where I wouldn't be legally stopped by an unseen eye, suicided for accessing the secrets behind the Internet, killed for reading in between the lines, so why don't you put that iPad over your third eye? I had a dream that I woke up to a nightmare called America. Now AFRICOM has come to Africa, false flag operations, terrorized by television. We had a dream today that we will be free, but now we're more enslaved than we've ever been. 1984 has come out of the book. I had a dream about this nightmare. Brain cells flying from this radioactive planet, permanently poisoned by plunderers with no soul. I had a dream where knowledge is a death wish. We live in this dream where honesty is a long-forgotten virtue, where the truth shall be seen by the blind. Lynchings, bombings, and assassinations. The media whitewashes the truth while feeding white lies to a white reality. But he turned his back on all things black and become the face of our enemy. I had a dream, and the dream that I had didn't look like this. There's a reason I didn't get there for you, because knowledge is a death wish. Secret fears become problems, and truth tellers are threats. I had a dream that we're still being terrorized, Billy Club and Nate, 
shot down my dogs and looked in the chain. So this dream has turned into a nightmare. But if this nightmare is only a dream, it makes me wonder who's next. Wow, thank you. Um, who's your favorite poet? My favorite poet, uh, uh, Sonny Sanchez and uh, Mrs. Giovanni. Uh, I heard uh, Giovanni. Who was the first one? Sonny Sanchez. Oh, okay, Sanchez. Now, have you, the point, have you just uh, uh, read for us? Have you done that publicly yet? I have. Did it cause any controversy? So far, no. So far, no? Uh, what do you think of Lang- uh, Langston Hughes? Are you into... Oh, Langston Hughes. Lang- I, I, I've done, I like his work. I've, actually, his work is kind of... It's a, I, when I read his poem, whenever I read his poems to myself, I always hear jazz in my head. I love his poetry. Oh, you always hear jazz in your head. Interesting. Yes. Uh, you wrote some poems uh, relative to jazz. Uh, I think you... Gabby would like to interject, if you don't mind. I'm sorry? I said, I think my dad would like to talk to you. Okay. Hey, brother. Uh, yeah. Pardon me. I, I just wanted to um, say a little something before, and then you can get it back in with auto. And it's about this this movement we got going on. Okay. You know, my, my thing is the seriousness that's expressed. I want to tell you, Autumn has not been offered by one historically black university anything. Anything. She, um, if you go to her page, you'll see there is ten young black geniuses to watch out for in America. Autumn is number four on the list. And where will we see that list? It's um, you can it's um the ten top young black geniuses to watch out for. It's called. You can find it. It's right there. And my daughter's number four on the okay. list. Okay. All right. right. And 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 the point being is that you know I want to you know really talk about this. this it's a movement. She's put her life and her spirit on the line since she was four years old, five years old, standing on us and on the square at right angles from the word go. She's truly a star out of the east, from out of the womb, right? She's a living perpendicular. And and I want to stress the importance that we need to raise this money because I'm a single dad, like, doing this whole movement on my own. And okay. with that, I'm not able to move as free as I would like to through our society because I have to stay on my square with order. You know, it's like a job within itself. And I want to stress to the community and to our listeners that this is not a money-making scheme. And I'm saying this from my genetic self. This is not about a father using his daughter's name, trying to find a means to get money. That's not what I do, and that's not how we live, and and that's not in our history. But I'm saying to us as a community, as a dad and a daughter who's put their life literally, along with others, on the line from five years old, we need your help now. And I'm not too proud to ask the community for any help, you know. And I was looking on her page. We had like 400-plus visits but only 20 contributions. That's not how this thing should work, you know. And when a young lady just blew up a laboratory, you know, did a little chemical experiment and some smoke and brimstone and stuff started flying out the beaker, they arrested the little queen, and here she gets a four-year free scholarship at some aviation school but when you're standing on the front line holding the line it seems that my little sister here is being slighted and it's not a mark against the people it's just because they don't know but I'm saying as a father and I'm making a personal plea we've done our part little sister has done her part and she's a child of the village and that is what we're relying on we really could use the help and, again, this money is not going to be misappropriated. This money is not going to be used for sneakers and rims or monkey business. We have to okay. get this girl in this school because she could go for her master's degree at 18 years old. She's entering this pre-med program as a junior. Okay. 
And all we need okay. to do is, is to get the child in the door. we got to get her in the door. She'll do the rest. But we have to get her there. And so that's my <sighs> passionate plea. Yes, sir. And you mentioned HBCUs, historically black colleges and universities. Yes, And sir. you mentioned the fact that they you have not had any offers? Or nothing. 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 And when Did I say get- nothing... Crickets, did, you make any, did you make any appeals to them and get a response? Made appeals. They know about our work. They know who we are. We put in paperwork. We were given numbers to different people of medical departments, black people who were the head of black medical divisions, Howard, blah, blah, blah. You know, I don't want to go on into that because it's quite frustrating for me, you know, spiritually. You have to go through the process. No phone calls back. I'm not going to knock on it. It is what it is, you know? Yeah, why do you think that's the case? You know, um, we took an unorthodox approach to this whole political poetry at a young age, speaking truth to power at a young age. CNN has done a profile on us. We've been on Like It Is. We've been on all of the TV shows. But we took a stance for the black community in particular, and the whole African family, you know, in general. But we took a stand that, you know, there is things being done to our community that <laughs> has to stop in words. And and sometimes in this time of Obama and the so-called uh, newer, friendlier America, if you fall for that madness, huh? So telling the truth and speaking black and white is not acceptable largely anymore. And it's frowned upon. And the funding and the stuff that goes to these black colleges, if a, a sister or a father like me who represents my seat coming in on what we are, that's a problem. And sometimes people like us, don't want, they don't want to touch like this. And it's just what it is. And and it's a consequence of the decision we made, but we stand on the shoulders of great black leaders who have been slain for us, and that's just the direction. It's the way it goes. You know, have you? Uh, yes, I understand. Have you um, ever considered going out of the country? Uh, uh, like the yes. Uh, you know, she has an offer on the table when they redo the program at the Cuban Med- School of Medicine. That's one option that has been offered, you know, and it's, and again, it, and it's a matter of putting things in place and sitting with people who, who can assist, putting things in place, meaning funding, because you ain't going to just travel on your looks and your spirit, you know, you know, and there's things that need to be put in place. Again, you know, I'm just not, as a dad, one, I'm not going to stifle a little sister However, you got to keep in mind she's doing great things, but she's still only 15 years old. So she's still a little, you know, she's like still my baby, you know. You know, not literally, but it is what it is. So I'm not letting her stay in the dorms. You know, you come home, do your work, and you move the way you've been moving until you're ready, until your wings are dry. So, you know, there's a lot of things to consider there, brother. Yeah. Well, you certainly have our support, sir. And uh, why don't you... Why don't you give us that contact information again? Sure. Uh, the donations. Sure. sure. Um, you uh, can reach her on Twitter. On Twitter, it's Autumn Da Oracle. It's D A Oracle at Twitter. Autumn, A U T U M D A Da Oracle at Twitter. And then you okay. can reach her on Facebook. It's Autumn, A U T U M, Ashanti, A S H. A-N-T-E, on Facebook.com, and then you can reach us there, and then you can do um, on straight to the web, um, to the site, GoFundMe, GoFundMe, all one word, dot com, put in her name, Autumn Ashanti, and she should pop up, and you can make a donation. You know, I was just thinking, putting math together, we could get four or five people, four or five hundred people just to donate 50 bucks. If they had it, we would be closer to our goal. 50 bucks, pair of shoes, a bad meal, that's McDonald's almost for a family, you know. So I'm just saying it's time to show and prove, and, and that's where I'm at. We've done ours. We've helped. We've donated. We put our money where our mouths were, and now, you know, I'm asking the universe to reciprocate. 
if possible. Okay. And the yeah. universe generally responds. You know, I'm, 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 I would be a humbled soldier um, if the community can galvanize around this one great cause. Um, we will show all the way how the money is being spent, you know, because we're above board. This is, again, this is no shenanigans here. You know, the universe tends to bring karma quicker when you're acting like a fool. My thing is we'll, we'll be transparent. I have nothing to hide. We'll keep everybody abreast of the movements of the economics. There's a custodial account already set up in her name, and it's just waiting when the money moves. They'll move it straight to a custodial account. Um, if anybody was interested to see how the money is used, we could do that too. It's not about, you know, hiding anything. This here is a movement. we got to get this girl through this program, and I'm just looking at being in pre-med, going for her master's. At 18 years yes, old, I need to help. I need the community's help on this one. If you got businesses, I need. We, I'm just all out humbling myself, saying we really need help on this. Okay. Well, you certainly have uh, the support of the Gist of Freedom, and hopefully the support of our listeners. Uh, before, yes. Before we go off the air, could you please let Autumn recite another? one of her unpublished poems. Absolutely. We the most appreciate that. Of course, of course. And get close to the phone, Autumn. Sorry, moving and shifting some things over here. And Autumn, before you do that, be aware that you can uh, access uh, this program on uh, iTunes. Oh, of course. And uh, we want you to be the first to hear it. So you can go to iTunes and download it. You can share it with friends, other uh, community activists, presentations that you make, etc. Of course. Okay. All right. <clears throat> this one. This one isn't exactly. This one is called Mark. We walk endless paths, I am marked, driving in the fast lane of this thing called life, dreams that smell of Arizona iced tea, visions disguised as nightmares of what my life was, could, and should be, warrior chants, rightful passage in the smooth rhythm of the drums shrouded by hood graduates and life dropouts, street lights that can't light the way home, I am marked, yet educated in the so-called street life. I walk around forward and only look back just to see who follows. The sound of failure and the smell of death is all too familiar, but marvel at the voice of a blind messiah who has come before you with hair like wool and skin like honey, laughing at how inferior you've become. History of great-grandfather's past marked with the color of my skin and locked into my mind's eye. I cry the blood of millions before me, fingers formed into the star, palms facing upward and heads bowed, the mark of repetition, repetition, voodoo and ancient ceremonies to ward off the evil ones, repetition of a silent chant that only we can hear, repetition. I am the unrelenting monsoon rains, marvel at the Dogon, for we are the stars. I am the Messiah who flows with the wind, so continue to breathe an unknown, like, continue to breathe unknown air. I fly across the sky on the phoenix bird, here to rise again, to silence the two-year-old's cry. Marvel at the constant mirror called the mother's womb. Oh, thank you very much. Of course. Um, very nice. And uh, we certainly appreciate that. And I want our listeners to know that we uh, have been talking to Autumn Ashante. In addition to her father, what's your uh, father's name? Uh, his name is Batin Ashanti. Oh, okay. Yes, but and, for those who can never just remember how to pronounce his name, he's just Ashanti. <laughs> okay, great. Uh, do you have any final words for our listeners? Um, yes. Please, thank you. First, thank you for this opportunity. Thank you. And um, for those who are listening, please, 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 in my home, I'm going to humble myself now, too. Please, all the information is there. Uh, go fund me, Autumn Ashanti, at Facebook, please. Any donation is welcome. 
for this for this great cause. We're looking forward to um, your graduation from medical school. Our prayers and thoughts and meditations are with you as well. Thank you. And perhaps uh, we can have you back on this show uh, in the near future. Absolutely. Just give us a call. Will do. And I'm sure you'll be hearing from our producer, Leslie Gist. And I would like to be back on the show, brother, at any time to dialogue with you. I love your flow. You're a great interviewer. And I would really like to get into that homeschooling. Um, yes. Uh, and, and I and think I you have, talk with I think you have the attention of our producer uh, relative to that homeschooling. And I'm sure well, that she'll be in touch with you as soon as uh, program space becomes available. Well, um, if it be the will of the ancestors in the most high, I'm, I'm here. Got a lot of ideas I want to share. I have some secrets and not so many secrets, but we can we can beat them right at their own game. So um, I'm ready to have every, make sure everybody have a pencil and pad ready. Uh, most assuredly. Yes, I. Yes, I. So, I, again, thank you. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. And um, for our listeners, uh, you can reach our producer, Leslie Gist, at Leslie at the Gist of Freedom. That's all one word. The Gist, T-H-E-G-I-S-T-O-F-F-R-E-E-D-O-M.com. Leslie, L-E-S-L-E-Y, at the Gist of Freedom, dot com. Good night, sir. Good night, everyone.